Three, two, one. Monty Barnes. Welcome back to the Click and Butter Podcast. My name is Alex. My name is Jesse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Butter. And this is going to be another classic review um, of a feature film. Um, what's today? September 9th. There's not a lot of tons of movies coming out recently, so we're like deciding to like do a classic review. Um, and also, I want to get the habit of doing one of these each month because they're just fun. Yeah. And um, great. I know that there's classic movies that you haven't seen. I'm sure there's classic things that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. That'll be perfect mm-hmm. if we can find one that we both haven't seen and then do, maybe fill in our fucking gaps. And, you know, yeah, we're cinema majors. We, I've, had, I've seen probably over 2,000 movies. There's still things that I haven't seen. Yeah. That's what Always. I hate when people are like, there's no, there's no movies to watch. There are tons of fucking movies. To Too many. You Too can't many watch them all in a lifetime. You won't watch all the movies in your lifetime. Exactly. So, um, yeah, there's even gaps that I have. So I think we should try to do this every month. So that'll be fun. Yeah, and um, each, each time we collect a classic, it brings us closer to cinematic uh, enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan, exactly. man, you know? We're getting out all the Dragon Balls. <laughs> yeah, we'll just start screaming at the end of one and just like, zip off into space. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, today's a really special one. Um, today's one that I'm completely blown away. That one, we haven't done this movie yet, and two, we haven't even talked about this filmmaker. Like, we talk yeah, about this filmmaker a lot, but not like a film we haven't like dedicated the podcast to one of those guys movies which is i feel stupid that it took <laughs> uh, 130 episodes to get to one of this guy's movies yeah it's pretty incredible it's pretty wild uh, all considering that he might be the greatest filmmaker ever to live i mean there's an argument to be had you know uh, this, first of all it's stanley kubrick stanley kubrick we're going to talk about his, I don't even think genre-defining is even the right word to even describe this, uh, earth-shattering yeah. masterpiece. Genre-breaking, genre maybe even. Genre-breaking. Genre-shattering. Yeah, just, I mean, just creating a new genre. How about that? Just, yeah. <laughs> just, I don't even know. Um, but we're going to talk about his 1968 Masterpiece, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, and before I, I, I'm just curious. Have you seen every Kubrick movie? No, not every single one. Um, I haven't seen. I haven't either. I, I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, and I haven't okay. seen Full Metal Jacket either. Oh, okay, wow. Um, so I have a, I have a lot of gaps to fill in, and I haven't seen um. That one, you know, that one period piece movie. Oh, Barry like Lyndon, yeah. Yeah, yes, I haven't seen Barry Lyndon either. I or really the killing, or Lolita. I've seen the killing, yeah. 
Um, this. Okay, well, now I have to do a key break ranking just because. I just mean, so I can, just we can watch them all. We can I would just fill ourselves in because like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, um, that's that's something that I've always wanted to do, and it's I have no reason for not doing yeah, it. Yeah, and so let's just do that. But yeah, so um, out of also <laughs> out of all of them that you've seen, so you've seen Clockwork Orange, The Shining, uh, 2001, um. I have a sequel that I'll track. Is this your that favorite out of those three? Uh, it's hard. I mean, I think The Shining's like my yeah. personal favorite. Like, I just, yeah. that movie, like, I, I'm going to watch that movie for, for the rest of my life. Right. But uh, I adore, I have, I've only seen 2001 one time before rewatching this. It hasn't been something I've watched a no, lot. You haven't lived with it. You haven't lived with it uh, yeah. more than you have The Shining. But yes, I would agree but... with you. I mean, I would agree with you. I think. I, I have more time with the signing. I have more memories with the signing. I've seen it more times. And this is like the fourth time I've seen 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it's fucking close. Um, but I, like I will, the, I will the, say, the, like, I think the signing is more of a rewatchable movie than 2001. Right. Um, yes, I think that's true. If I had um, a movie theater in my house... Then 2001 would be the most watched I was movie. thinking, after <laughs> but, I saw this, that's actually exactly what I was thinking. It's like, dude, I wish I had, like, a projection, like, turn off all the room. Yeah. I could just sit, like, every single day when I was done with everything for the day, just turn on 2001 and go to if sleep. There's, <laughs> movie, there's a few movies that I need to see in theaters before I, before I die. 2001 is one of them. Like, yeah. I need to see this in a movie theater. Um... They're actually showing Jaws this year. That's another movie I would love to see in a movie theater. That's an like IMAX theater. They, they, they remastered it in IMAX, so they're actually playing it this month across the country. That's pretty dope. So, I mean, I might have to go do that, but uh, there's, a, there's a handful of old movies that like, I knew. I've gotten fortunate to see Raiders in a driving movie theater, which is really, really fucking cool. Um... But some of these old things I just would love to see in theaters because, one, like, you can actually experience it the way that people did during these films came out. And even more so today, movies were made for fucking movie theaters, you know? And, like, you know, that still happens today. You know, you have these things like Goon and, like, um... I'm not even going to say wrong movies because they're not. They're made for everything. They're, they're designed in a fucking stupid way where you can watch it on your phone and the theater. It's like bland in that way. You don't have to really go see it in the theater. Yeah. Um, with something like Doom, for example, or uh, The Northman, I would say, that came out this yeah. year. Right. Total theater movie. You know, and... But back then, it was just a, such a different time, you know, and things were really made to see on a big, big screen, especially this film, you know, um, I, I'm a, most of the people listening to this, if you've seen 2001, you most likely have seen it on your computer, or a TV, you know, a small TV in your dorm room, or, you know, maybe a big TV, but... You know, I really just love the experience of this the way that it was intended to be experienced. Yeah, especially know? especially because part of this movie's way it got made was because it was advertised as a movie to come on a new, really super wide format. Yeah. I just learned that recently, yeah, which was which was new. Like this movie, yeah. like helped push that, mm-hmm. which I did not know, which is yeah. super cool. Which goes even more to the argument of like wanting to see this on a 
big ass totally. fucking screen. And I've only heard like people because they do screenings of this all the time, you know, obviously across the across the world. Um, and all I've heard from critics and people who I follow on social media and shit, like, who have seen this in theaters, they say it's, like, the greatest thing, like, theater experience you will ever have to, to see this in a movie theater. Yeah. But, um, but, alas, I watched this on my, on my, <laughs> on my TV. A dinky TV. On my room. <laughs> I tried to not really take it away from, the, just the, the scope of the magnitude of this film. But, yeah, I mean, Stanley Kubrick. What a guy, you what know? A, uh, what a what an alien. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, who, like I said, like, is arguably, like, he's one of those guys that if you put, like, Spielberg's, the Scorsese's, the, I don't know, the John Ford's, the Howard Hawks, the... Billy Wilder's, the, you know, Quentin Tarantino's, he's in the discussion of, like, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, and there's clearly, um, and people would even argue, there's a firm argument that you could have that he is the greatest filmmaker of all time, um, and I guess, like, that kind of comes from just, obviously, the films that he's made, the only the 12 movies that he's made, are all, um, Notable. I haven't seen all of them yet, but all of them. First of all, someone like Scorsese is going to do like thirty movies. You couldn't name all his movies, you know. Right. You couldn't name, you know, Kubrick's movies. Not just because like he has fewer, but it's because they're all they all made a fucking significant impact when they came out. None of yeah, them were like, true. oh, this is fine whatever he never yeah. made an aviator you know he never made like a like a uh shutter island you know which i really yeah. like but he never made a movie that is kind of forgettable even ones that you maybe not necessarily are love you know like i've never seen this film so the one i didn't love it the first time i was yeah. young I, like you're young and like in your teenage years you're 15 this movie's boring as shit I mean, yeah. Fucking, yeah, totally. You, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> there's things about it that I like when I was 15, but I didn't really fully, one, grasp the movie and what it was doing. And then, two, like, you know, it's just, it's, you're young. You, you need fucking, especially our generation, you need right. fucking stimulation. Because, you know? like, the difference with this movie compared to, like, the, 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 what you, when you go into movies, you think of it as, like, a story experience that's told in sort of a specific three act structure kind of way in 2001. <laughs> really yeah, is, yeah. rejects all of that and is just this crazy cinematic experience. Well, that was so it's like, that was Kubrick's thing. Who, who, um, was, he, that's what he wanted to do. He went into this movie wanting to change the form. That's something yeah. that he said all the time to his filmmaker friends and things like that. He literally tell them, like, I want to change things. I want to change the way things are made. And he would say this after he made 2001. Mm-hmm. And his friends would go, like, you made 2001. Like, you, you changed it. He's like, eh, a little bit. Yeah. Like, he was chasing yeah. this thing that, you know, not a lot of people do. And it's even hard to even compare his movies to other filmmakers because he was just on this completely different spectrum 
um, making things, like, in a completely different way that you can't really... Comparing him to someone like Spielberg is just kind of stupid. And also, also <laughs> his, his, his style, the thing that I find phenomenal about Kubrick is that he can't be replicated. It's yeah. almost impossible because Quentin Tarantino's style, you can get that. You can get yeah, the gist totally, of that yeah. to make it sort of get the feel of him. It's still not quite Tarantino, but yeah. you can get it where it's like close and you can feel the influence. Or Scorsese, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we see that influence of that style being affected. But I, what I find phenomenal about Kubrick is that it's almost like he has – he is so methodical and scientific about it mm-hmm. that he has a mastery over the precision of his edits to cause yeah. a subconscious reaction within the people watching yeah. it. That people, like, you can't find that timing. You can't yeah. recreate that timing because he just knows where to cut and the angle. It's it's really mm-hmm. strange to me because he just has a mastery over that. Well, he also is just like, he knew, I don't know, he just had this, like, almost six sense almost of like how yeah, to right. like uh especially like something like this like some of these you know it's like we're talking about these and we're talking about obviously in the god of man sequence which has i would argue the greatest edit in cinematic history yeah um, in, in the god of man sequence and, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you've seen it you probably know what i'm talking about but longer this is 1968 the production code wasn't even lifted yet. Yeah, like that's movies insane. that were rated R, they didn't even exist. This movie's rated G, <laughs> which is not, which is crazy because the movie's terrifying. Like <laughs> this is a scary movie. Like the fact that like children were like, yeah, everybody could come. It's just like ridiculous, you know. G for uh, everybody. And I'm sure that this is one of the movies that they're like. Okay. We gotta we gotta start restricting, you know, because kids are terrified of their fucking toasters now. Yeah. You know, from coming alive and killing all of us. Give but, me my toast. I'm yeah. afraid I can't do that, Timmy. I'm afraid I can't do that, dude. Um, but yeah, like he just like yeah, his movies don't feel like any anything, and like even and all of them, I don't know. I wish I did more research about this, but I don't know the response that this movie got at all. I would love yeah. to know. Like, I, I think it was a pretty big hit. It was which a big is, hit. Which, People which liked is it? really that's that's amazing to me that this movie didn't like in this day and age. Imagining two thousand one, that kind of movie being a hit is like no, it's how? crazy. Like this movie's how? still insane. This movie's still <laughs> to this day one of the most mind bending and weirdest big budget films ever created. I mean, yeah. This movie's three movies in one. It ends with a fucking action trip for like 20 yeah. minutes. I mean, it turns into a legit, like, just balls to the wall art film in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, it's so crazy to think about that this movie was a huge hit. But, like, I don't know, because, like, audiences jive with it? Like, do they yeah, like I, it? Which is, I like, think, really wild, right? I think, I, I know, I, I wish I knew a little bit more about that, too. I mean, I'm sure there's things you can find that are... I, I think the thing that was interesting about this is that what really got people... It was kind of a Avatar effect, I think, mm-hmm. because it was the special right. effects of it. Sure, and the, yeah. the, 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 and people so were so... Like, 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 the visuals of it. And yeah. it was like the first like big like screen movie, right. like one of the the biggest most spectacular things they'd right. seen right. like at, in 1968. So, yeah. uh, and people I would are argue probably it still is by the way. Yeah, yeah. honestly, yeah. 
Uh, but I think I think that was the thing that kind of got people pulled in and kind of gave it some forgiveness for it being just so whack so job weird. Yeah, so fucking yeah. weird, yeah. And this was also the time before, like, you know, Kubrick had made Dr. Strangelove, which is an yeah, incredible, a incredible, 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 incredible movie. Dope. But it's more of a, you know, incredible comedy, and it's more of a, like, you know, that was the thing they before this, I'm pretty sure. And so, mm-hmm. the weirder and the more abstract side of Cooper, he hadn't shown himself yet, you know? And this was, I believe, the first time where he really went, like, he took fucking bold risks and bold swings, you know? He went full Kubrick. So this must have been kind of crazy at the time, you know, for something like this to come out. And for, yeah, I you think know, so, yeah. Like, I, because I don't think they really were expecting it from from this guy at that point, you know? Too. Yeah. Like, you know, well, because like, it was also bizarre because it was such a wild left turn to do a sci-fi pick, uh-huh. right? Like, that was, he wasn't a sci-fi guy, let's, and let's, then he just made the quintessential sci-fi movie. Because I understand it, too, like, you know, in the 60s and the 50s, like, being a sci-fi movie... I think it was kind of looked down upon. It was kind yeah, of it was looked, low art. It was I kind think. of yeah, low art. It was kind of like you know a lot of these low budget kind of you know um, you know they, they were considered to be like slock, you know. Yeah. But yeah. this really changed the game in terms of like what you could do with science fiction and what you know, especially with the technology that was you know uh, available at the time, like how amazing and how, you know, transportive you could bring an audience. Mind yeah. you, this is 10 years before this movie called Star Wars, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which is, like, really fucking crazy <laughs> to think about. Yeah. Um, and a year before the moon landing. Yeah. A, a year That's... before the fucking moon landing. That's crazy. You know? It's and, so crazy. And, uh, uh, this movie's so good. The visual effects, <laughs> this movie looks so good that there's a whole conspiracy theory that he stings the moon landing. That yeah. NASA hired him to stage the moon landing. I don't think there's a better compliment in the cinematic history <laughs> than that. Really. Yeah. You literally are like, uh. it's so good and so convincing that there's a whole group of fucking people that believe that he was hired by NASA. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's still goes on today. There's a whole fucking documentary date about it. Like, like two years ago. Two years ago. Like it's crazy. Like the, the just the level of impact of this shit still has to this day. And, and yeah. you know, it's talk about it now. They just put out like a four K Blu-ray of it like a month ago. Like it's still and it's fifty five years old. And like, <laughs> and for it to be, you know, old things are great. There's a lot of old things that are absolutely great from the fifties and the forties and stuff like that. But to be still this mesmerizing and to still be talked about the way that this movie is and still fi- being figured out and being discussed is just remarkable feats. A lot of you know, for for a weird fucking film like this to be 55 years later and people still like us who are 25 years old still talking about it is yeah talking about a legacy 
Um, yeah, but... and that, and it really and it really fits our definition in a lot in so many ways about like a tr- being a true classic in that way because it's not just the <laughs> it's not just it being a significant event that happened it's the longstanding which I'm sure based on the it's boring argument that a lot of people would might dismiss Whatever. that I'll, I'll but like. About you. But that, but that, that I think, case, you find this fucking boring. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, I, that case. And I think that that just mainly comes from the fact of it just being really different than modern movies. Totally, now. yeah, like extremely different. Yeah. And I think you, it, it's the same bad argument that could be applied to modern art films. It's just right. like it's boring. It's not like the exciting, but it's yeah. like this film is still so effective yeah. and so like sets out to do exactly what it wants to do right. and i don't think that special effects have aged a day Not at all. it's it's, super inc- weird. it's crazy super super weird yeah. like they 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 totally i feel like i'm I in argue, space i would actually argue that there are parts of this that are still the best i i kind of feel that way too stuff, i yeah. still think has a really good beat because sure they're they're some like um, technically, like, look better, and maybe, like, something like Interstellar, for example, which, I, mm-hmm. which is a really, which, if you love Interstellar, and you haven't seen this movie, uh, that's kind of weird. You gotta fucking <laughs> stop. You gotta stop, you know? Yeah. And if you're telling friends, like, oh, I fucking love Interstellar, go, go watch this. You're gonna watch Interstellar and be like, oh, okay, so this is. I, 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 we're gonna connect the dots. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Interstellar is cool. Interstellar is really cool. But even in Interstellar, like, there's some things where obviously what they're doing is way more complicated than that film with like zero gravity stuff and some of the effects of that. But the way that Kubrick, I don't know, just that pen shot, for example, in the, in just in the, in the is, I don't, it's so tangible. It, feels so real that you can go out there and grab that I know that exactly pen. what you mean. That, I know like, exactly I don't know, what you mean. I just don't get that feeling a lot. And I think a lot of that comes from like what you were saying before about the pace of this and the editing. It's a very hypnotic movie. Yeah, kinda, so, yeah. It kind of like hypnotizes you. Um, yeah, I was I was the I was really thinking that when I was watching it because I I think that that's the other sort of layer of Kubrick's film that that makes it stand out between other space movies because you can think of a lot of things like uh, I was thinking of Gravity which is like yeah didn't really which I like which Gravity it, like, a lot too I like, like Gravity uh, I think the special I mean, effects of that right fucking movie that movie is not even it's not even worth watching if you haven't seen it in a movie <laughs> Right. But, like, the, the, the effects in Gravity is, like, really impressive yeah, in, terms yeah, of, yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in terms of, like, realism, right? Yeah. But what Kubrick does that I think makes it, which brings it, ascends it beyond what Gravity just does in terms of realism, yeah. is the is the fact of the believability of the effects, feeling like that's tangible, that's really happening, mm-hmm. alongside the, the feeling of like the thematic meaning to it and so sometimes right. it's like really unsettling right. sometimes it's like extreme wonder right. sometimes it's like wonder horror mm-hmm. <laughs> like i'm i'm in awe and also really scared right now yeah like, also, that, those... like yeah i like that and also like i also like that the pace of this movie is what it would be like you know right like, there, yeah, it's there's... not edited like a movie it's yeah, edited, it's like, edited like, space. like well it's edited <laughs> like yeah like space but it's also edited like you know, if you were experiencing 
these things and it made it easier and it would not be like like cutting out all the sound and the music and stuff oh yeah i mean we'll call it like a sound design which i think is like one of the best parts of this movie and one of the reasons I just love to hear it, the theater, the silence, and the fucking like would be so the breathing, palpable, yeah. and crazy. But um, so like, I kind of want to like, cause this movie pretty easy to talk about when it comes to structure, cause it's split up into nice and cute for us. It's split up into <laughs> about you know four, three or four chapters. Yeah, um, or as you one, said, three or four different movies all schmuckled together. Much, pretty much, <laughs> and um. The first movie is called The God of Man. It's so crazy, but this is one of those things you've never seen this movie. You might, there's parts of this movie that you might find maybe not corny, but like you, you're like, oh my god, this is where that right. comes from? The right. music. You know, yeah. the, the amount of times that that music has been parodied. Bah! Has been, you know, like, has been, you know, has just been used to everything everywhere all at once. We just saw there's a 2001 parody in that yeah. film. Yeah. Know? And, um, so the, the, there's, the spell has been parodied countless times. And yeah. you might have even heard, I remember when I first heard that music, the, 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 the you know, the fucking amazing 2001, <laughs> you know, music. Like I, I, I laughed because it, I had an association with it from like some funny animated movie that I think was good. Um that when I right. when I watched my childhood. You know, so this movie's so iconic that it, it kind of transcends like all the things. All these elements have been used so many times. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting that's a really true but, thing about it. So just putting that out there, you've never seen this movie, kind of like trying to remove yourself from you know, you have to put yourself in the shoes of, like, this just came out, you know? <laughs> like, seeing the God of Man scene, like, you kind of, like, uh, you know? Like, it's been yeah. parodied so many times, you know? Yeah, that's, I think that, and the, the the song is, like, the quintessential example of that, about, like, it being almost funny, but, like, when, yeah. you, I spent, <laughs> yeah. when I watched it, when I watched it this time, it really clicked with me in the way I think it was supposed to, yeah. because that, that song no, great. is... Yeah epic yeah, it's, it's like the perfect yeah. it's the song of like the, like that's what that song is is the I, visuals it's almost like it. the we watch apocalypse now like the rise of the valkyries like that that song for example mm-hmm. like in that movie it originated in that movie but you know it, you don't even know you know you don't even, like it's so big so many times in so many fucking movies that you probably don't even know that it originated in apocalypse now you know um, so it's kind of just become this thing where it's been used so much that it's kind of lost its origin. <laughs> which is <laughs> <You know>? kind <laughs> of which is kind of weird that like like the like that soundbite or something is something that people know, but not for, but just like through the like the shared consciousness of like mm-hmm. this is that thing, not it's like, like what that thing like, actually it's folk is. Music. It's almost like it's yeah. almost like so iconic that people don't even know like where it's from. They just know. Yeah, but that's. I think that's a great. That's, that's a great point about talking about sort of the cheesiness of the Dawn of Man, and also. Um, yeah, but I also I mean, think it's genuinely, like, fucking amazing. That whole sequence. Is, I, is, I love. I I, yeah. I I I think about that sequence a lot. I just love I'll the fact. The, bold, the boldness. Exactly. He just starts with caveman. Like yeah, that's. Yeah, it's yeah. dope. It's so. It's so awesome. Also, the, the monkeys. So okay, 
We were close. This is actually a long podcast. <laughs> this scene is genuinely like, like incredible for for a few reasons. The look of it, mm-hmm. unbelievable. This is shots of this desolate Africa. Just giving you this already this alien feeling. This like this otherworldly feeling. And the monkeys, they're obviously people. But yeah. goddamn, they're good actors. They're acting yeah, like fucking monkey ex- people. <laughs> Dude, that's exactly yeah. what my thought process was when and I was watching it. One of the things uh, that you get <laughs> so well in this opening scene, watching it this time, is like how Kubrick, you know. And I, wa- I wonder what you'll think of this, because thematically, like, this movie's so interesting in, like, what. And it's still talking about Kubrick has never got a record of saying what it's about. He's only mm-hmm. done it once. And his Kubrick has said that this movie is about um, the search for God. That's wild. Wow, that's wild. Which is makes, really interesting. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's wild, um, but... In a lot of ways, I think a lot of this could represent this idea of God or this idea of a, of a higher being in, in some way. But... Even in this opening scene, we, we get this um, sense that, you know, these cavemen, these, these monkeys, they live in fear. And that there's always um, something um, to be scared of. And there's, um, and it all culminates <laughs> in them finding the monolith, seeing this black, you know, this iconic ass. Thing. which is like a crazy moment to like kind of start like in this nature documentary and right. then like throw in like space aliens also how do they get like pigs like the, the pigs and the like yeah the tap pairs that were together and then the fucking leopard to like jump on yeah the... i was thinking of that because it's like this is 1968 those how... are real those are real they must just have there's a lot a of really... this movie where i just genuinely am like i don't know how they're doing <laughs> Like, I know, yeah, I do. Um, and so, but when the first monolith lands, they're staring at it, and then they ultimately like go up and are fascinated by it. And then we cut to which I which I love that moment. That moment yeah. when you're when you're looking up that shot, looking into the sun past the monolith, which reflected, you know, the Earth coming or mm-hmm. the Moon coming over the Earth. That kind of visual. Amazing, that yeah. was that was like the first time when you're watching it. That's yeah. like this is going to be a different I mean, kind of movie. I'm going to simply just put it: every fucking shot is a painting. Every yeah, frame, for sure. Every shot is immaculate. And what I mean by every shot. I mean every single Kubrick shot. might be the reason why that phrase like exists to a certain degree. He it like comes his, from Kubrick films. You look like socks films. I don't even see the movie yet, but just looking at the socks of Barry Lyndon, you're like Oh my god. How yeah, are right. they, like he saw each one of his socks as a painting. You know, he saw it as you know, that's what that's what he did. You know? Yeah. And so it, Another interesting thing, kind of moving back in terms of chronological of the Donna Man sequence, but I thought it was really cool that I think the beginning sequence of the Donna Man yeah. is all still images that he took 
that are mm-hmm. just cut together to get that feeling right. of like establishing shots. Yeah. But when I when I read that and when you when you look at it, you'll see like you'll notice that that they are still right. images that are just put together in a way yeah. to give that with with sound design and stuff to create that space, yeah, which cool. just goes to show like how Kubrick just he just he knew composition so deeply. But he also, just you know, master. Yeah, he'll do like hundreds and hundreds of takes. Hundreds, yeah. Obsessive. Obsessive. Yeah. Obsessive. Yeah. Obsessive. <laughs> that perfect, that perfect take the thing that he saw, the painting that he saw, you know? And we get the shot, we get the, one of those iconic scenes in any movie ever, in any piece of art ever. Um, the monkey, it's a bone. Uses it as a tool. Like that, the first you know, time. First tool. It's epic. And what does he Smashing the bones. He kills somebody with this tool. Mm-hmm. And which, um, I think this movie, ultimately, in the broad thinking, is about um, how humanity is, we are our own destruction. Like, we create things. Mm-hmm. We use tools, we create things, it's always for violence. And it's always to hurt each other. And there's this cycle that happens throughout history. And that's when the greatest edit ever occurs. In my eyes, it's like, for when this came out, I can't believe that they let him do it and see that it was, it just had the idea, which is absolutely brilliant. Where he's smashing the, the, the bugs with this, you know, this new tool that he's discovered throws yeah. it in the air. Yeah, well, it's I, after yeah, it's after the murder, so it's yeah, after yeah, yeah, violence. Yeah, 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 that whole thing. And so he flings the bone in the air, it flips, and we cut to basically the bone kind of turning into a spaceship. Yeah. Or it's not really a spaceship. We're kind of led to believe that there's theories that it's a nuclear weapon of some kind. Um... But if that's true, that's like insanely brilliant. You know, this idea of seeing the first ever tool or the first ever weapon used by mankind to cut that to a nuclear weapon of where we've become, you know, and yeah. how far we have gotten and how this is, a, you know, this idea of violence and has been carried over since the dawn of man, you know? Um, which is like, to me, one of the most impactful edits I've ever seen in a fucking Yeah, it really, it really <laughs> takes your breath away. And it's not in any, and in a, and it's, it's, it's the most, it's not flashy at Mm-mm, all. It's yeah. just, it's just intense. Yeah. yeah, it's Except really not. the end, which is a really right, good that's argument true. that that's, you know, like, wild but it's not it's presented in a way where it's not like you know look at what i'm doing you know yeah because how else are you going to wrap a movie like this up besides kind of doing something like this anyways yeah but uh, But, um but yeah that that is one of the craziest edits and just shows the power of what you can do with a cut in a film mm -hmm. i think that that really broke the minds of a lot of filmmakers that you can be like wow we can do a lot in between cuts we can do basically whatever the fuck we want that's crazy we can open up with the god of man 
You know, the other thing I just realized about the Donna Man sequence is that the idea of pushing for evil, like humans starting there, yeah. was still like probably a, it's touchy now so it's gonna yeah, probably yeah. have been touchy oh, yeah, in 1968 true, true, yeah. so like that whole idea so that's, really a, that's another that. intense thing about this movie yeah that's true yeah never thought of that and and i, I guess I you wasn't like, a very religious person no, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but like, I, I, I thought I really feel like that. Like the, I feel sort of like the that existential power of yeah. like seeing like the the start evolutionary beginnings of man yep. and the significance of that. It's almost like two thousand one is it like is, the fairy tale of humankind to a degree. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's this movie attempts. Or I think it kind of achieves in some way to, um, like, get to the heart of, like, humanity and what it is yeah. to be a human, you know? In this, you know, very abstract, you know, beautiful way through this, like, space odyssey movie. Like, obviously, there's a lot of other things that are in this movie that we can talk about, obviously, but, um... So yeah, the God of Man scene is like, you know, it's iconic as fuck. Super, I'd rather super have iconic. them have hot dog fingers, you know? <laughs> but whatever. Um, but, there's uh, room for improvement. We'll leave it at you that. You know what's crazy to think about, dude? That, so there's people, there's teenagers and people that went and saw everything everywhere at once and like, didn't, under, didn't get that that was, you know what yeah. I mean? I, when I watched it with, uh, with, with Eva, she, she didn't, I don't, I had to like, point that out you know because she didn't well, that was a one reference, so. yeah yeah funny. that's a that, that's a, that's that is a really crazy thing to well, me hey, how, like again that's the amazing thing about oh guys that even knows what 2001 is and like oh maybe i'll watch that one day you know right yeah, that, yeah that's <laughs> that's a way more uh optimistic and positive way to look at it because yeah. that's really what it's doing yeah, it's really you, introducing that's 2001 what, yeah that's yeah, what you want to do true. you want to have a lot that's kind of part of like what sampling so cool is that yeah when you do it correctly a great sample is like you're selling you know you're giving a spotlight to this amazing music that was that inspired you in some way you know? Which is which is another reason why everything everywhere at once is a great movie. <laughs> yeah, if you get yeah, people yeah, to watch two thousand one. It's really good. Go see it. But uh, yeah, and then we cut to the um, the the scene where probably again they discover something on the moon. Um, they discover the monolith on underneath the lunar surface. Yeah, and, and this is where this is the second main character. Yeah. Is this guy's name Howard? He's like some he's like, high do, official doctor, in space. Doctor or something. Yeah. Um, and he's like basically a guy who's looking, he's, you know, he's um, a scientist that looks at lunar. I'm pretty sure he's like a lunar scientist or something. Yeah, he's going to the clavicle moon. It's not yeah. called clavicle. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah, it's... no, you're right. I think, no, it's called <laughs> clavis. clavis. Yeah, clavis. <laughs> and... <laughs> And again, another thing, calling out like things that um were so predictive and so crazy. So when we meet the doctor who's on the spaceship on a plane basically with two knees on the fucking back of the of That's the true. Scene. That's true. What, what the fuck? 
And then, uh, also the idea, uh, there's a part where he's listening to an iPhone, like, it's like a, or not an iPhone, but there's like an iPod, who's listening to something, you know, this is 1968. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, so, yeah, there's tons of things that, like, that are very predictive, obviously how that we'll get to, but it's very, like, just the foresight and the fucking, you know, there's, there's, obviously, we didn't have this stuff in 2001, but he was close, <laughs> you know? He was really close. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, man. You see a lot of, you know, like, things like Blade Runner or some of these um, movies that are set in the future. You know, it's funny to watch old movies that are set in the future because you're like, oh, look how wrong they got this. Or look right, how... right, right. But, like, something like this, like, it's pretty fucking accurate, you know? Yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. Kubrick what, also... Like, he... He has that prophetic quality about him that's like kind of creepy. That he's yeah, like, yeah. How I did find you it, know I find that? it weird. I find yeah. it like a little disturbing. I find it disturbing, but I also find it like also just the look of it, how well this movie looks, and how still mind blowing the visual effects are. Not just in like you know the opening shot of this chapter of the fucking space station, the spinning wheel. I mean, it's just so. I mean, it's just like you're like. What? You know, the lighting, the fucking, it looks so good that it's just creepy. It's yeah. creepy. Like, it's yeah, just like, yeah. how the fuck could I do this? Like, like, even things in the 70s, like, some of the things that are coming out now don't even look that good. Yeah. Don't even look I, that real. And I think one of the things, like, going, looking into the production just a little bit, is that he really focused on what, uh, like the the science of what actually is happening, yeah, like right. in space. So yeah. he was probably really thinking about how, how light would work in space. Too, what kind of interstellar would have came out like really stand out? Yeah, know? and I like the I like for the same oh, reason. Yeah, that's why I yeah, love man. how interstellar looks. Yeah, I, I think love, it looks phenomenal. I love how interstellar looks too. But yeah, I mean, he obviously took a lot of inspiration from Kubrick in 2001 when he did mm-hmm. that film. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like. The like there's that scene where the waitress is like I mean a lot of this movie too this sequence is a lot of just mood it's a lot of like slow deliberate pacing right. shots of them just basically living life or living going through their daily routine and they're you know on this thing like, yeah it's really any you other really... movie. Like, like all this, it's like a twenty, like a twenty minute, ten, fifteen minute sequence of him just traveling to the moon. Yeah, right, right. And there's and, no, and any other movie, they only have one scene, and then they just fucking cut to him discovering the monolith on the on the moon. But he really takes his time, and like really getting like just showing you these amazing things you know yeah. it's really a visual spectacle in the, in the brand in the best possible way because he really is taking his time with it i mean there's a whole fucking scene of the waitress like just making food for him and delivering and that scene is like how the fuck is, are they doing this it's like she's like walking on the wall and like 
Well, yeah. It's like, how are you doing this? Like, Which it's, it's 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 there's so many things going on with that because this 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 sequence is like a great example of people talk about Kubrick being way more observatory and omnipotent from his camera view yeah. than a lot of other yes. directors. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. most of the time, how movies are is like it's another character that's invisible who's mm-hmm. around the other characters. Kubrick is like a god, yeah. like with a a super powerful microscope yeah. looking at like yeah. these microscopic beings live their life he, they, he's so far the, away yeah from the, it. the best example of that is the shining I mean, that whole you make mm-hmm. the argument that the pod of that movie is the is the is the thing like is yeah the, is right that. right which is what so gives you chills about <laughs> yeah, it you know i just exactly. got chills just thinking about yeah, that exactly and so and he yeah he does that and this, no one was moving the camera like that he, yeah, that, like he was. Like he yeah, was. and the film it really feels like you're looking at like almost like these displays, you know, yeah. like a basically yeah. like zoo, yeah. like zoos or mm-hmm. something like that, which connects to how he interprets the ending of the film being a human zoo. But right. we'll talk about that later, probably. Yeah. But that's 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 a really significant thing. You're right about him just like staying with this rather mundane shit, but yeah. it works because because he's not even it's not indulgent the special effects yeah. it's not just like look at how cool yeah, and yeah. how this is it's it's really like world building like yeah, some of the world craziest like, world building ever and it's also like you know um i don't know what his intention was obviously we'll never know like what he was attempting to do but to me like this really starts to hit the, the hypnotism right the pace and the, the way that like people are moving and the way that like People are living there, going by their daily tasks, and like through space, and it's hypnotizing. It really yeah. is. And also, the music and the sound design is so eerie and off and alien, you know, yeah. in some in some respect. That it just it really hypnotizes you, you know. And just all the, there's so many incredible shots in that in that scene before they discover the a lot of this. I mean, there are. One of my favorites is when they get, I believe they're about to take off to go to the moon, and there's this wide shot of like the sun like going down into yeah. this like. Oh, that's a crazy shot. Such a mind blowing, beautiful looking shot. Like I don't even know how they fucking did it. Like, or even like the shot, the shot before that people, too. You see people like yeah in, in the corner. Yeah, yeah that's wild. that was that was crazy. Like yeah. looking at that, it was just like like you wanted that shot to go on for as long as you did, so you could just really take it that's all in. That's the big thing. So I think he, that's what, that's why I say I think we have bad taste. If you think this movie is boring, because yeah. this movie is so beautiful and so just amazing to look at that if you just get bored by looking I, I don't think cinema's for you i, I just don't I, I, and I think that's one of my with with the modern stuff coming out right now i think that's a big thing that i i've been sad about a little bit is yeah. how the speed of shots have just increased and well, increased yeah, and think, increased well, it makes sense because i mean look, look at things like tiktok I mean, right people, the attention span watch like four things going on at once on their screen like a video game, a podcast clip, a fucking like game, like a video game at the same time. Our attention yeah. span is so we need to be stimulated all fucking 
and I, and I think that that's why I like directors like well like the Green Knight movie and Robert right, Eggers right, right. like I love right. shit like that because it's it's like how Kubrick kind of directs shit not mm-hmm. just Kubrick but Kubrick is like one of those guys right. who just like well, he knows how long, one of those, he knows who is that guy? <laughs> he is that guy yeah, yeah who <laughs> just knows how long to stick with the shot and to yeah. really just let you suck it in right. and get that right. effect from and it. And it's funny that like what I love about him too not like all his films are like that. I mean, Full Metal Jacket is. A much more faster paced movie. You know, mm-hmm. he's not so concerned with, like, he understands what the film needs. And he understands, right. like, when the cut, like, it's not like all his movies, like, have long ass shots. It's like, no, this is what this movie needed. This is right. what, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, all that stuff is so amazing. And that lunar scene where they discover the monolith is amazing. It is yeah. so fucking incredible and I wanted to ask you like what you think happens what do you think happens in that so like when yeah. they, so when they so what happens is they go to the they go to the moon and there's also one of the funniest things I've ever seen in the movie is in that sequence when Kubrick zooms in on the zero gravity toilet the instructions on that was hilarious that was really funny <laughs> but they're actually I thought about it this time where I was like I thought it was so interesting that they have that shot there and there's that shot of him eating like out of a straw. It's like yeah. humans in this world, like in space, are trying to learn how to be they're like babies. Like they're trying to learn because yeah. it's a whole new environment, you know? And I thought that, that was just a really because if we're led to believe that this is like kind of the first phase of like space travel, right? Or or like you're like, yeah, it makes sense that, like, you need these long instructions on how to take a shit on this yeah. planet, you know? Because it's like learning a, a whole new environment, which I thought was just, like, a really smart world-building idea. Yeah, Although yeah. Although it's also very funny. Zero yeah, gravity. well, that's... And he's, like, looking at it, like... <laughs> yeah, the performance, he, like, really writes this knuckle. Yeah. yeah. But it has layers, more layers to it than just being a gag. You're right. Yeah, right. And I don't know, what if it wasn't a gag? What if it, he thought it was just... I'm mean, happy, right? It was pretty funny. Was yeah, pretty funny. I, I think he had he some humor in Dr. him. He also made Dr. Strange love. He has a good sense of humor. He has a funny bone in him. Yeah. One or two. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Next to all one. those they're scary bones. Yeah, there's a two of them. <laughs> he has two funny bones yeah. and like a all million like... All his is pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, so like, what do you think happens when they discover the model if they go up and they're... The same thing happens, right? They're scared of it. They basically build this whole fucking structure around it to keep it, you know, safe or, or constrained in some way. And then, again, the same thing to the God of Nancy. They're scared of it at first. And then they embrace it. They go up to it. They touch it. And then it makes this loud fucking noise. What do you yeah, think happens? What, what do you, what do you, how do you interpret that? And then it cuts to the Jupiter that's 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 it's a pretty crazy moment uh and i have uh, i have there's so many ways to think about it and uh, because the way i think about the obelisk is very similar to sort of the like lovecraftian horror of being something right, I think so that's what you're supposed to be like there's right. no there's no answer to what the monolith is and there's no um that's still like talked about to this day is like what the monolith represents and what it means. But there is no answer. There is yeah. no answer. If you're trying to figure it out, there is no answer. You, Man, you, you and, can interpret it, 
the way that you want because the correct answer to it. And what what I like about the uh, the comparison between the Donna Man thing, which really hit me this time, mm-hmm. was how I love in the Donna Man scene we see like the most primitive form of humanity, and right. then we see humans in the space age beyond what even where we are right, right now, where we have incredible technology, and this thing that was a mystery to those monkey humans yeah, are right. still a mystery to oh, us yeah, now. That's very true. Yeah, like we have point. it's it's yeah. something that like combines us and like brings us really humbles us point. again to be like we still don't know shit. There's mm. so much we don't know. I like that. So, I like, like this idea that like, a lot of us represents this undiscoverable thing that humanity will always have. You know, like, yeah. there, there's this thing like God, maybe what Kubrick is saying, you know, this thing that we will never understand and we, that, that we'll never reach, we'll never understand, we'll never find out if there is a God. We'll never yeah. know, you know. And maybe this God of this represents that undiscovered thing, you know. And then when it ultimately leads to them wanting to discover it and go to Jupiter, because they, they know that the, there's a signal coming from Jupiter, yeah. you know, and that's why we're on this mission in the first place, is to discover where this fucking thing came from. And what happens? He doesn't figure it out. Yeah. He's still, he's on his deathbed. No answer. He's on his fucking deathbed, reaching out to the monolith. Like, I mean, so, so, and then new life, new life appears. Yeah. It's the cycle. I kind of yeah, like that. It has, I like that. It, it, it's, it's so, and, and the choice of just like a, of this black, square this, this black obelisk thing. is yeah, this... such is again it's something that kind of gives me chills because it's like such a simple image that just is so perfect in that yeah. role for in an indescribable kind of way you right. know because to me it also represents like the void you know right. in terms of death you know yeah. but also life as like that's what it looks like when you're born such yeah. as like space baby it connects to that fucking space you know <laughs> uh, but the yeah, symmetry right. and the perfect lines also shows like intention and construction to it mm-hmm. while also being it has so it has all these layers to it and it's just a fucking box you know right. it's just like that's just our brains that like it's such a simple image that becomes so profound right. through the context and the way he uses it which right. i i find that like i i find that like so like insanely like compelling and moving and powerful yeah like that's something that like obviously you see it for the first time you might might be super confused of what that is you know absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah i mean like i I love that interpretation of like i think that that's i think that that's super accurate like i don't know if like there's other you know interpretations that people have had i'm sure i'm sure that there are but i love that I love, I think that that's a really good, you know, way to describe, to, to make sense of the model of, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and then we get the biggest chunk of the movie, which is the Jupiter scene. Which is probably and, the most famous chunk of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Most uh, the sure. one that, uh, definitely, like, sparks, you know, the most iconic, you know, the most iconic series of scenes in, in the movie. And we meet Dave and the other guy. Is it Frank? Is it Frank? Frank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Dave and Frank. Frank. Dave and Frank. And uh, they are two astronauts on this spaceship uh, going to Jupiter to discover where this model is. And 
they see it again. Like, we first meet them. I don't know how they shot this. They must have had a giant rotating set or something. I, I don't know. I think they did have something crazy like that. I looked to. into it once, but I don't remember, and I, I don't know. Holy shit. Yeah. And the thing <laughs> yeah. is, too, like, how did they get the camera to be on? It's so crazy to me. Even, like, something like Inception, <laughs> which I really like. That scene, obviously, when it's, you know, the famous hallway scene of Inception, which is going to get out as one of the most iconic scenes in cinematic history. Already mm-hmm. is. It's an incredible fucking scene. Yeah. The hallway scene. Again, super practical. I know that they built a fucking set. Yeah, that, that was that literally, they that literally happened. They literally yeah, right, just yeah. filmed they, they the, the that. room turning. Happened. But how they shot it? I understand, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not in the set shooting it. This, I'm like, how did they shoot this? <laughs> Where is he? You know what Where I mean? is he standing? Yeah. He's, he's running, he's jogging, and the camera is following him as the, the set is rotating and shit. Yeah, I know. What the fuck are they doing this? It's really just mind-blowing, you know? Yeah. It's still, to this day, I just don't, I don't know how they achieve these things. Yeah, and I and I, I love how, like, I'm sure in... I find it, because that's no fun. Yeah, <laughs> the mystery. Yeah. But that 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 shot is another great thing of of. Th- so the way that this, which I think this goes to sh- this is well, there's a lot of factors going into it. But when you're looking at that rotating set, the way it feels, it both has that tangible feelings that you mentioned earlier, yeah. while also feeling weightless. That's also yeah, something that right. feels incredible yeah. to me. It's like it feels like even though I don't have space outside yeah. to show me that, it still feels like it's rotating in a void, which totally. I. I, I don't know how much of that is my brain or shit that he's no, doing, but not. it's crazy. Not. Well, part of it is also the, the really, really fascinating sound design. Yeah. That's, that's in this movie. Borderline, this whole movie is experimental. That's pretty experimental shit that's mm-hmm. going on, where it's so sparse and it's so, like, alien and, and late, you know, it's not existent. There's not a lot of uh, sound in this movie. And when there is, it's like suck out because it's space you know it's not a lot of sound in space so i think that contributes also to the feeling of just like this weightlessness that you're talking about yeah Um, yeah but um you're right even on that also again after his job after his workout he goes to his ipad (laughs) and watches the news what? Like, just, I don't. And even like in a, the previous sequence, when he talks to his daughter on the on the monitor, you know, on the video video chat monitor. Yeah. Uh, we never had that. Blade Runner got that wrong too, where like they predicted that you'd go into like a booth, you know. Yeah, that's which is really funny. Yeah, which I kind of wish was real. You know, it was like a phone. It was like an updated phone booth. Just you know? like a video phone booth. Yeah. yeah. Right. Never had that, but uh, <laughs> we, just, we don't we don't need it. But um, yeah, that was crazy. Just the, 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 the predictive nature of it is just so wild. And the, the idea of like even I don't even guess it. The idea of an AI. Yeah. Like the concept of that in 1968, computers 
weren't even like a rat. Like they were like they weren't even they were non-existent computers. Yeah. They were like they're not nearly what they are today. Not even close. And, and for an idea to be like they're gonna take over the world is superhuman genius shit. Yeah, like, that actually <laughs> that actually goes into another another point about that I wanted I, I I realized when watching this was this that this the the script for two thousand like Siri. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, the script was co-written or assisted by Arthur C. Clarke, who was uh-huh. a uber famous like sci-fi writer too. Awesome. Which is yeah. another which is another aspect to show how smart Kubrick was yeah. was to refer to, to like these on. other but to bring him on. Jesus, like, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but like, I think him doing that is what allowed him to bring such a novel thing like Hal to the screen. Yeah, you know, because yeah. that like that was such a I feel like it was just such a leap in innovation of yeah. what robots could be, you know, right, like what yeah. you're saying. It's just like, it's just like, it's, it's yeah. mind bending. It's really crazy. And how, you know, one of the most iconic characters ever. Yeah. In cinema. Just <laughs> the, the red eyeball. Isn't it incredible? He has no expression. Yeah, None. It's, it's so scary just when they talk to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the power of editing, man. Yeah, it's a, it's crazy Context to me. Context editing. Yeah, man, it's, it's like... Also, this is the basis for all those great AI characters, you know, mm-hmm. that, are, that are in um, tons of great movies, you know, and have great AI characters. Like, this is... We're comparing it's fucking how. It's a yeah. great movie called uh, Moon uh, mm-hmm. that was made by Duncan Jones. Which is a really underrated sci-fi movie, in my opinion. That has an AI that's very similar to how you know there's it's there's it's been you know recreated and and uh, like um you know influenced for years. You know, I I, I would I, I think that there's a strong probably a strong argument where even if maybe Kubrick and Arthur C. Clarke maybe didn't Clark didn't necessarily create this idea of the AI. Yeah, I think well, this movie for the, sure. I think this yeah. movie is what like instilled the fear of that yeah. into humanity. Well I'm pretty sure which... that um, I'm pretty sure that like the reason that the iPod is called the iPod is from this movie. Really? I'm pretty sure that they named it after two thousand one. Wow. I'm pretty sure. I think that I would be that. cool. To, that would be cool to look into that somewhere. I mean, it's just like this movie was so. Like, I mean, Steve Jobs thinking, is probably you know? a huge fan, mega nerd for 2001, so oh, yeah. not super surprising. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we learned that how, you know, it's this uh, AI, this like, this supercomputer that could, you know, who, they literally do describe him as a different person. Like, he thinks for himself. He, um, like, like literally, it's an AI. It's not just, it's still relevant to, to today, the, the same mm-hmm. concept and the same idea. It's not like, you know, it's not like the basis of what an AI would be. It would be like, no, it's, it's like, it's pretty spot on of like what we're facing today, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it and, is. And, um, although it's a little scarier today because it's like, like everywhere in the cloud, it's not just like a machine that you can turn off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, right. Um, <laughs> not as scary, but um, 
yeah, like, just, I love how, like, uh, just the interactions that you had before, you know, shit hits the fan, and, like, I, oh, also the chess thing, and that's, like, you know, online chess, like, computer chess, like, it's yeah. just, like, but that scene I fucking love, because they're playing chess, and Hal is cheating, you know, because oh. he's, you know, he's controlling the, you know, he's control, <laughs> controlling the, the chessboard and he's you're kind of I thought watching that you're kind of led to believe that he's he's cheating a little bit he, he oh always, really he, no he always wins you know yeah and I just thought that that was a cool little foreshadowing obviously yeah. to what ultimately happens and just like all the little like things that Hal does it's just like so so great and like what was the what's the initial thing that they Frank and him start talking about that they're like they what did, how when did they start they turning getting suspicious trustful? yeah yeah well is it because like they oh that oh yeah I remember because they get a video call and he says there's a an error there's a malfunction yeah. well, well, or well, Hal tells what, him that right? Hal's, Hal, Hal reports yeah that there's a malfunction which <laughs> yeah. actually happens after actually yeah that happens right before the really creepy uh, because we have the, the, the chess game which shows that he and they establish that this computer does not make mistakes right it's the that perfect computer yeah, right. that has never had a mistake in the history yeah. and then after that there's that really creepy conversation with Dave about uh, being concerned about the the importance of the mission and the mis- yeah. mis- mystery yeah. around the mission and dave yeah. was like that was weird and kind of moved on right. and then how like easily transitioned out of that out of that conversation into saying hey one of our radars are broken we gotta yeah, go right, fix it right and then they're gonna not true well well first first they have it where he's like sounds good go do that and they go fix it and they say there's nothing wrong with it and that's and that's and then that video call comes up about like the our our house says says that it's fine but your house says something's wrong there's a discrepancy between our computers going on well frankly we're like i don't fucking trust this and there's this great i think our favorite scene of the movie I think other than like the ending is that is the when they get the pod. And right I love before the because, intermission. <laughs> yeah, right before the intermission, yeah. And there, there's a I love that whole thing because they, they draw that out. They yeah. draw this out that they like they that they have to basically trick Hal into letting them into the pod and so they can sit there and, and talk and just letting that like draw out is just is really creepy and this movie does become a horror movie of some kind a very disturbing like freak just scary scene yeah like, it's a scary movie and when they go and they have this conversation like i don't i don't fucking trust him you know like i i think that you know we gotta shut him off and we just get the pod the pod of house perspective and he's going Back to back and reading their lips. Yeah, so just so insane. creepy. And I love that too. That like there's no like um usually in some like big budget thing like that there'd be like a, a music cue right or something like that that would like 
Like, bah, bah, oh God, bah, 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 bah. you know, like really, really. Yeah, right. <laughs> but there's no, it's complete silence. And then yeah. they lead you into an intermission, leads you to go to the bathroom to shit your pants. Yeah. You know? Um, <laughs> which is amazing. And also the intermission, like, I don't know, on the Blu-ray, it was an intermission. It was a good, <laughs> it was a good, like, three minutes until it yeah. came out. Uh, which I love. Because some, some movies like RRR, come on, Netflix, leave the intermission, man. Come on. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta pee. <laughs> yeah, I gotta pee, man. Um, but, yeah, um, when it comes back, they, uh, they do the whole, they get in the pod and they, like, uh, have to go fix the, the satellite, right? Or they... Yeah, and, and, and Frank's the one who gets sent out this time. Uh, so, Dave, the first time we have the walk is with with dave where we kind of get to see how the the operation works yeah. but this time frank does it uh and but the thing that's different about frank. this time oh, frank. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> still flown out there in space see Absolute ya never wild yeah that because there's that the, the, there's that really that creepy shot like flying like through the lit, like and they, like behind his back and just flying through the fucking yeah air. and it's on like the intercom like in yeah. in the space station that he sees and he right. goes yeah it's really unsettling yeah it's super crazy and then dude's like okay and gets <laughs> to the pod and, and tries to save him uh but he <laughs> but i love this moment too when he like gets along the on the with the hooks yeah and he realizes that he has to let him go yeah. To open the door. Like, oh, fuck, man. dude. R.I.P. Frank, man. R.I.P. <laughs> and that whole scene is incredible. You know, when he opens the door, the tension of that is just so palpable, you know? Yeah. You really do get this feeling of, like, this omnipotent, you know, thing that is just a, a visible, invisible threat, you know? Like, just, like, a thing that you just can't see it, you know, and that he could, you know, blow up the spaceship any second, you know? Yeah, because that's the thing that was so scary about Hal is that he's integrated, he's the brain yeah, of yeah, the right. ship. He has right. so much control over how everything works, so when he's, when Dave's isolated outside, in fucking space, yeah. with his dead friend and all of the other humans are dead... Yeah. That's and he is is a horrifying situation. And, how, like, and also all the shots of him in the pot are like I mean so beautiful. You see the all the lights from the from the pot on his face yeah. and the yeah. you know, the moonlight. It's so iconic and fucking gorgeous. And still to this day fucking Yeah, beautiful. I think it's beautiful. You know? I really love how it's, it looks. It's, it's such a lively looking movie. I mean you keep saying that, but it's like it's really it's just still to this day. It's like not a lot of movies look this good, you know. Yeah, like, and it's and it's and it's and it's also like that factor of just like the aesthetic beauty of it, the pure aesthetic beauty, right. but also the uniqueness of how it looks. Right. Where it's it's just and and well, even compared too, to other Cooper, design, the, it, everything involved is like I mean top fucking like I mean the production design, like the costumes, like everything is like just. A one stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Really great. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then what I, I so w also the thing 
what I was, what I realized this time about the Hal scene, because after Frank eventually, not Frank, Frank's dead, uh, Dave, when Dave gets back into the ship and turns off Hal, and Hal yeah, like has, whole, it, he well. starts pleading, you know, for his life, essentially. Yeah, he's like, I can feel it coming. I can, I can feel, feel it coming. Which, that, that really hit me, and like, really it really, really got to me this time, because like, and initially. And lower and lower and slower, and he's shutting down. Yeah, because what's interesting about what I noticed this time with Hal is that initially his motivation is the computer programming being like, I can do this more efficient than humans, and right. human errors is going to be the obstacle to right. this hyper-important well, mission. Well, he says that I, I sense that you weren't going to be able to complete this mission. Yeah. You know? But then, but then when it turns to him, it turns into him preserving his life, right? right? And yeah. a fear of death, yeah. which becomes really crazy because that becomes so much more human, which right. is what it obviously affects Dave too, because right. it's not yeah, just it's, like you'll see it affecting him. Yeah, because yeah, it's not just Hal just trying to be effective at the task he's been given. Right. It's about like I want to exist, which yeah, is right. which is like whoa. Well, that was, that was song. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. and 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 that that was a that that was really effective for yeah, me. That play that of of Hale, Hal's transformation yeah. of that, which is it's. I think it has people. I think people take the. I think people get the part where they the part about ai being more effective than humans and yeah. to eliminate the human error i think that's what people kind of gravitate onto that part but yeah. they don't latch on to the existential dread that comes with yeah. consciousness you know yeah, that well, how yeah, experiences in yeah, the second right. part yeah that's like that is like what makes something that's like the whole question of like what an ai is because if, if we do create an artificial, it has to have feelings like that, like yeah. like Craig, and like that's when it's truly like sentient or 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 human, as you will, if you will, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, if you will, yeah. And so, like, um, yeah, that's things that we're dealing with now we, in our lifetime. I'm sure that we're gonna see a fucking robot that can, you know care for you, love you, you know, until you say, tell something to it, and then I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we might see that in our lifetimes, <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, you know, I love shit about AI. And, you know, even Spielberg, you know, Kubrick was going to make a movie called AI that he ultimately gave to Spielberg to make that came out in 2001 or something. Really good movie. Um, you know, Spielberg, it's cool that uh, Spielberg and Kubrick are friends, and, and Kubrick uh, basically gave Spielberg all this prep work for, for, that, for AI, because I think, I can't remember exactly why. I think it might have been, Kubrick was such a interesting guy when it came to the projects that he was going to do. There's a lot of, like, unnamed things that he was working on for years and that he never, for whatever reason, like, couldn't get the name or, or something happened where he couldn't get the name. And I think he got upset. I think he was making AI, but he got obsessed with eyes like that, but he died. So gotcha. I, I think he was going to make AI next, but he passed away. And then he, he died, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think Spielberg, and I think, 
Actually, I don't know because he, Hubert gave his blessing to Spielberg to make it. So he might have already made the decision that he's not going to make AI. Yeah. Um, but anyway, watch AI. That's interesting. Really good. I didn't know really, that. Really, yeah. really good. Um, and yeah, I think Kubrick is, he has a credit, a writing credit. He's like written by Kubrick and Spielberg. I think That's so. cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but it's, it's really cool because, like, Kubrick basically made the movie, he prepped the movies. <laughs> like, it's all Kubrick's ideas and all his, you know, things. Spielberg just kind of made it, you know? Which is That'd like, be a cool one to watch. It's a cool combination of there. It's a cool movie. I, I really like it. But, um, yeah, like, so it's, it's cool to think about how Kubrick was fascinated by AI in 1968. Um, mm-hmm continued to be fascinated by it until the, until the 90s when he was developing AI. Yeah. You know? And so, um, and that movie's cool when you compare it to the ideas of how cause AI is more about an a AI robot and an AI uh, kid played by Haley Joel Osment. So it's more of a, um, like, you know, it's, it's more of a developed uh, you know, with all the history that has come in the 30 years since he made 2001, oh, okay, it might more be like a robot or something like that. It won't be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, more accurate to what AI could possibly be, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, you know, Hal, RIP Hal. RIP Hal <laughs> now. Yeah, it's a it's a great turn of event because that's what you want in a villain too, right? Is that yeah. you you start off like hating him and working against him, like go Dave, and then like at at the end it's like oh, but right. did you it's, have it's, to? It's definitely <laughs> like uh, you definitely had to, <laughs> but it was uh, you simp you empathize with him. Yeah, you empathize with it, which is like really interesting, you know. And then he finally gets to Jupiter. And this is when the crazy fucking art film starts. It gets wacky. I'm being so wacky. (laughs) Like, still wacky to this day. Yeah. I cannot believe people sat in a movie theater and watched a a dude (laughs) have, like, a severe acid trip. Like, just (laughs) go through light tunnels. It's still crazy. It's still crazy. Like, if this came out today, I'd be like, what the, what a crazy ending. It yeah. still would be yeah. wild, you know? And, yeah, he basically goes through a wormhole of some kind. Um, and we see the, the, the monolith, like, orbiting Jupiter as he's, you know, as he's coming in, so. Which is another, like, really creepy thing that he doesn't, really like, shot, see yeah. it. He doesn't see it. It's just there. Yeah, yeah, and it, how it like it like blend it disappears into the space at certain yeah. angles and yeah. shit. Really, and the fucking weird ass choir. Oh, yeah, the choir I love, is so creepy. That's man. one of my favorite music cues. Yeah, the it's really good. theme yeah. is yeah. amazing. It's oh. so great. Oh. They use that in a SpongeBob episode. You ever seen the? Awesome. You ever seen the, uh, Sp- <laughs> the SpongeBob BC? You ever seen that? Oh yeah. For yeah. So when they're <laughs> looking at the, the fire, that's the yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the music. That's the, awesome. The, 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 I think. I might be wrong, but it's definitely or at least inspired, inspired by, by that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um God that's but awesome. yeah, and so you know, Dave just has this trip where he where I am 
a little confused about abstract, but he goes through like a wormhole and then you see these surfaces of like like negative and like all these different colors and like Yeah, that's the that's a one that's one point I think might be a little dated. That that yeah, is like Yes, I would agree with you, yeah. Yeah. That part is definitely I like I think it's cool, but it's, it's like it's, it's cool looking, it's still really cool. But it's I like don't the, know. that's negative images yeah, of the you're earth. Just putting, yeah, you're just putting <laughs> but I don't know. Is that supposed to be Jupiter? Like, is that the surface yeah. of Jupiter? Or is that, like, because it, if it is, pretty silly, because it's obviously the surface of Earth that he just... But I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really... It's not a... That's, that's one of the benefits of never explaining it. Because, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know that? So you kind of have to just let it be, but... Yeah, because it could also just be, like, like it should. it's supposed to represent sort of, like, this another yeah, like an alien world an alien yeah. surface or something yeah something. i think i think it illustrates that enough you know but yeah you're right it does look and the only, i think the reason it looks dated now is because people are familiar with filters so much like they <laughs> yeah. know how like like a picture yeah. will be affected yeah. by shit like that yeah. but like people in 1968 was like what am i looking at yeah, here right. this is wild mountains but aren't green i think what also makes that shit work really <laughs> well mountains too, aren't like green cutting oh back God. to the eyeball his eyeball yeah. blinking and as the lights change as he's blinking and it keeps going for like five minutes is just trippy ass fucking scene but just balls to the wall trick out i mean really and the eyeball keeps, and, then, and then it blinks and then it's back to normal again and he's yeah. in the, the world famous you know whatever room this like kind of hotel room of some kind you know and we get this trippy scene where he uh sees himself older and then he sees himself on his deathbed yeah and sees the monolith in front of him reaches out I think I was playing earlier he reaches out to this monolith this um yeah like this idea of God or this undiscoverable thing this thing that um he's, that he finally maybe reached or didn't quite reach it and then a, a new life forms and it's not a human it's definitely it doesn't look human to me it looks alien it looks like a different species of like being and i think you can read that so many different ways where i kind of read it like i, I think i said this earlier but that idea of this cycle, this, this, um, this, I don't know, this, this feeling that, that, this undiscoverable thing, whatever that is, God, or this undiscoverable thing, is maybe, maybe people are saying something like, this feeling is prevalent in every species, you know, not just humans. It's going to be prevalent to this new species or this new life form, you know? Um, that could be really interesting. But it could also just be the cycle of, you know, this will, you'll get, this thing will never discover it, you know? It's just this, um, the drive to discovering things like this will always be there. But 
there is no there's no, there's no answer you know yeah um, yeah and i think it very it also sad ties... ending i find yeah. i find the ending is very very depressing but also yeah. really beautiful at the same time, you know? Yeah, 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 I, I agree. Uh, it has but the that baby sort of... still perplexes me to this day. I, I'm even, like, just explaining it now. It's kind it's... of my idea. Like, I, I don't really know, you know? It's quite strange. <laughs> it Very is weird. quite strange. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it ties into kind of the, the concept of like the if we're going on the question of like someone seeking god like this being an epic defying god it's also tied to the idea of i think it's a unanimous feeling that people have this sense of going somewhere you know like their life we're growing we're growing to something and it leads ultimately i feel to that question of what happens when we die you know and that like definitely peaks on that feeling where like the hope is either to begin the cycle as something bigger and better, a reincarnation mm-hmm. as a ascended being, right? Or I don't know. And like, I guess that would make sense because as uh, Dave dies, we cut to and the baby has replaced him. You know, yeah. so yeah, maybe there is like this feeling of him. It is him being reincarnated in, in some kind. You know, because yeah. he's trying to maybe connect Dave and the baby. You know. Um, I, 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 when I was reading about the ending specifically, I, I, I came across people talking about this interview that came emerged. Have you heard about this interview that maybe, Cooper did know. talking about it? It came. It was. I think it got. It got Cooper talking about it. Yeah, this is Cooper talking about it, where he was explaining the ending, or interpreting, or telling. I don't yeah. know really the context, but the idea was that Dave was in the a human zoo. Uh, and uh-huh. was being studied, and he did lost his sense oh. of time, and he was just kept there until the end of his life, you know, to be watched mm. and experienced. And then these beings, you know, these godlike beings, uh. bestowed him basically superpowers, and he returns to Earth as like this new superpowered <sighs> baby being, you know. Uh-huh. But Can you, you know, is I, I I looked I cannot confirm or deny that, but that at, at the very least that's an idea that I saw flying sounds, around there. Maybe me, it came from Kubrick, maybe not. To me, I, I didn't interpret that at all. Like I interpreted that he went through this wormhole type thing, this like this and his life was accelerated. And it was like this like surreal like alien like experience that he was experiencing his life, you know, he was like projecting in the future or something. Mm-hmm. And I also got this, and we're going to, something that I haven't mentioned yet, I also think this movie has a profound loneliness to it. Um, and, there, and there's this shot of getting older just sitting by himself eating, and this wide shot of just this empty cage, or this room, you know? And it does, to me, kind of represent kind of like, ultimately, Sometimes the, the the loneliness of humanity, like the the um, I don't know, just uh, space also represents, you know. That's what I thought was so cool about that film, um, Ad Astra, the that yeah. the Pitt film. Yeah, it took space in this almost this allegory for loneliness, and yeah, I think like two thousand one does that also uh, with a lot of these. A lot, a lot of this, the visual language of the movie has a lot of empty space and a lot of just shocks and just like 
being alone, you know? And, and, and I think, like, I think that there is something interesting going on there as well, you know? That yeah. I don't know, like, I kind of just like the ending being this, like, surreal allegory on, on you know, on life, on, on life after death, because it connects to, you know, the God of Man, and it connects to all these, and the monolith connecting all, all these chapters together, you know, um, just, I don't know, just about the, the life cycle of, of humanity. Right. You know? I, I think, I think, I like, I like a less literal interpretation as well. Yeah, like, and to I, that, like, the human zoo, like, the aliens, and, that, that's, where is that coming from? That's like, you don't see any alien-like being in this movie. All you see is, like, him going through this wormhole or this thing, you know? Like, I never got the sense that it was being controlled in any sense of the word. You know? uh, my, my, the feeling, the reason that, like, the, that, that idea I like is the idea of the room that he ends up in. Yeah. That, that that being like a place where he's been taken somewhere by something that sure, idea yeah. was kind of was kind of that that piqued my interest along right. those lines because it's not a room that's necessarily familiar what to if him it was, we haven't also, seen it before what if it was like that was like the representation of like heaven in some way what if it yeah. was like this idea of heaven and how lonely this heaven could be or this yeah. search for this thing is is you know, it's yeah. not what it, it's gonna be. You know, it's not as amazing as you think it's gonna be. Yeah, that's got, that's definitely interesting. I I, I really it's, like it's brilliant because it's so open to interpretation. Yeah, you know that like you can take it however you want. You know? I, I really I like really like when you were talking about loneliness. I think that really yeah. resonates with me because I I think that that's really reflected through. In the rest of the film but in that that last scene is so sad to me in Very a way sad, yeah, of, I, of like a, of so a man it's like that feeling of watching time and your life slip through your fingers and right. there's nothing you can do about it because you can't control the time right. but then also like once you die having that supreme sort of reflection either right. when you return again reincarnated as a baby maybe a oh, literal yeah. giant space baby or maybe right. it's just a representation of right. like a baby about to enter back into the world right. or back to when you're just like having that moment of um like profoundness of looking back on the human life that you go mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. is like that 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 line is really that's meaningful to me especially yeah. like the I, I like that idea of focusing on the loneliness of yeah. the of the scene because I think that's the primary, I think that's the primary color yeah. that I experience with it. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's still, you know, it, it's still profound to this day. You know? Yeah, it I mean, is. A lot of these things, like, even art films that came out like five years ago, you know, you watch and you're like, yeah, that was cool the moment. But it didn't really stick with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this totally. Sticks with you. I mean, this is like, you know, um, it stuck with audiences for fifty five years, you know? Um, which is I don't I can't really think of a more profound, you know, popular movie than this, <laughs> you know, that is that is so weird. I mean it takes giant swings and is asking the audience a lot, you know. And the fact that they went through with it and they are still going through with it and people are still watching this is 
unbelievable, you know? It's an incredible feat in cinema, you know? Yeah. And, and like, that's why Kubrick is considered, I know, he's the greatest filmmaker of all time. So the fact is, this movie, he did it a few times, you know? Yeah. He's <laughs> Clockwork Orange is still talked about a lot to this day. And still, yeah. again, you want to talk about a movie that is just, holy shit, like just projecting the, the, just the future and how wild just what that movie's about, what it's talking about, how radical, how extreme, and how just painfully relevant that was to today, 1972, that movie yeah. came out. You know, and... Um, you know, deciding, you know, basically projecting and creating this idea of th this horror that is still being, you know, there are so many horror movies that try to be deciding now, you know, that, yeah. that try to have this um, atmosphere that that movie it's so groundbreaking as a horror film that yeah. people don't consider it a horror film because they don't know how to categorize it, which is yeah, insane right. to me because it's like clearly a horror film, but it's just so different than so like different. anything and else. Especially when it came out. Yeah, like 1980? Right. What the fuck? <laughs> the Exorcist came out five years before that movie. Yeah. And the Exorcist... <laughs> It's one of the best movies of all time, horror yeah. or whatever. But I mean, that was the horror movie standard. And yeah. then you got this thing. Like, what the fuck is, like, what is this? Like, so it's, I don't know, man. He's just, it's just great that, you know, he is somebody that is going to the, you know, he's timeless. He's a timeless filmmaker. And yeah. sucks when he only made 12 movies. It's a lot of movies, but, you know, I wish he was still alive. <laughs> He's so fucking shit out. But, yeah. you know, I mean, he, his legacy is, is there, you know, and like, um, and like, this movie is just, it's so, so profound and it's so beautiful and still amazing and still holds up to this day, you know? Yeah, and it's also, I, it was really nice to return uh, to this movie and kind of like see see this again and kind of re-digest yeah. it and yeah. re-experience it. So it's, I always think that, like, I think 2001, this is the type of movie I think you should watch every year. I yeah, feel like, it is. I feel like you would discover something new about it, like, every year. Like, something in it would the life that you experience each, each year, you might just get something more out of it with the different perspectives that you bring to it. You know, it's one of those things that it's just, I don't know, it's just so um, deep and, and just like an, an onion, you know, that like, I think it will continue to just fulfill you throughout the years, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.